So this morning we're, we're looking at Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. Micah last week, Isaiah this week. Isaiah 43, 1 through 7, the words will be behind me on the screen. If you've got them, you can follow along. They'll be on your screen um, before we read them and talk about them. Let's pray. God, as we just sit for a moment in silence, uh, once again we remember that in the beginning you spoke into the silence and the universe was born. We are reminded that your word is, is generative, it creates things. And so we pray, God, that you would create something new again in us. Give us the attentiveness we need to, to hear you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now this is what, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he... He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you Walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. I'll bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We will go that far. So, <clears throat> I still can't believe it's 2024. Like, I keep, I, I don't know about you, this is, this is kind of me. Um, I'm in this whole, I live in this whole, it's a new year space for like the entire month of January. I don't know what it is about me, but for the whole month of January, I think about the new year. I think, I live with all the, all the thinks that you think and all the feels that you feel every time, every time a new year dawns, right? The past is gone, uh, and the future, as always, is, is unknown. So we're still standing here as we stand here on the bottom stair of 2024, and we look up at the long, hard climb to 2025 
what will it bring? Because it feels like a climb, doesn't it? I mean, it's an election year. It's gonna be a climb to 2025. Like, what will it look like? What will the new year bring? To many of us, the future, I think, looks a little bit dimmer and a little bit harder than it did uh, just a little bit ago. I graduated college in 1999. That was 25 years ago. How in the world did that happen? Do you remember the days when you could walk into a, an airport and board a plane with a, with a tiny little keychain pocket knife and not worry about it? Yeah, can't do that anymore. But we live in a different world now, right? Remember before we had these pocket computers, we'd go home at night and watch the news at five and six o'clock at night, whenever you got home, that's how we would get our news. Now we walk around and we get our news instantaneously and it sort of raises our anxiety all day long. We walk around now with FOMO because of social media. We're able to sort of look at what everyone else is doing and experiencing and it's like, oh, my life's not like that. And that raises our anxiety a little bit as well. Remember the days, remember the days when, when the people who lead us had a basic sense of, of self-control. Remember when, when they would treat each other with a basic sense of, of respect and, uh, and they wouldn't like use, call people names or curse in political speeches. Yeah, something happened about eight, nine years ago that changed everything. We live in a different world now. Remember when truth and facts mattered and they were actually a thing? Remember when it was back when it was like unimaginable, like nobody would have had the thought, nobody would have imagined that a mob of people carrying Jesus signs would storm the Capitol. And the people who sort of uh, stoked the fires of insurrection just wouldn't pay any price. It's like, eh, that's okay, no big deal. We live in a different world now. It's 2024. Maybe your 2024 is going like this. off this thing. I need to get off this thing, right? The past is gone. The future is unknown. And for a lot of us, it kind of feels like, I don't know, things are a little bit, a little bit shaky. Like we live in a different world now. So the world we find ourselves living in is a whole lot different in all kinds of ways from the world that these ancient Israelites were living in. But let's be honest about it we're kind of feeling the same kind of feels that they were feeling when they first heard these words from God through the mouth of the prophet Isaiah. For them, their past was gone and the future was unknown. And for them, it felt like it was as shaky as it could possibly be. Their past was just dead. Here's what happened. Here's just sort of a a general explanation of the situation they find themselves in when they hear these words from God. So the world's superpower, the greatest superpower in the world at the time was Babylon. And Babylon's army had marched into their homeland, marched into Jerusalem, crushed it, left the city in a pile. Then many of them were taken captive. They were they had become exiles. They were kidnapped from their homeland. They were made to walk across the desert to a place called Babylon. That's where they would make their home now. 
in a foreign land, right? It was, it was there that the, the psalmist wrote these words. Listen to this. By the rivers of Babylon they sat. We sat and wept as they remembered their home. But that wasn't the end of it. It sort of just, just begun. Just when they thought things couldn't get any worse, a new power rose in the east, Persia. Persia then waged war against Babylon, and the Israelites now found themselves living in the middle of a war zone. Now for us, this is really hard for us to imagine, for most of us. It's hard to imagine living in the middle of a war zone. The closest we get is, are the images that we see of Israel-Palestine, those images, only they were experiencing it all around them. And they weren't in their homeland. They were living in a strange land. And if Babylon fell and Persia came to power, they were like, what's going to happen to us? This little, this little captive Israel living in a foreign land. History was sort of catching up to them again. And it looked like they were going to get steamrolled. Right? So their past was gone. The future was totally unknown, and it looked to be about as shaky as it could be. They were standing on the bottom stair of a war zone, looking up at a long, hard climb out of there, and they were scared out of their minds. And just as their, their fear was sort of at its highest point, as bad as it could get, here comes this word from God through the mouth of Isaiah. Fear not. Do not be afraid. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overcome when you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not burn you. They will not set you ablaze. Fear not. God says. I talked about it a few weeks ago. It's one of God's favorite things to say. Fear not. It's what the angel Gabriel said to Mary when he appeared to her and announced to her that she would bear the Son of God. Fear not. It's what the whole company of angels said to the shepherds as they were watching their sheep at night. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not. It's what the angels said to those who first witnessed the empty tomb on that first Easter morning, God says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Fear not. I have summoned you by name. Let's dwell there just for a little bit. Let's think about, let's think about what it might mean for God to know our names. Because names are important. Names tell us who we are and to whom we belong. I think Samuel, who's not here, so I can talk about him. I think he's old enough now to understand and appreciate his name, Samuel. It means, it means God heard. We named him Samuel because we had lost two babies to miscarriage before he came along. And we felt like God heard our prayers and gave us a son, Samuel. God heard. Names are important. They tell us who we are. They tell us to whom we belong. Back when Samuel was just 
two years old. He had a really hard time pronouncing his Uncle Scott's name. And so Uncle Scott became Uncle Sock. This is the cutest thing in the world. Called him Uncle Sock. And back then, Uncle Sock loved it because he knew every time he heard the phrase Uncle Sock, he knew he was loved by this little two-year-old. Names are important. They tell us who we are and to whom we belong. Mom. Dad. Grandpa. Grandma. Nana. Papa. These are names you feel. Names are important. They tell us who we are and to whom we belong. Just think about all the nicknames that we give to those we know and love the most. I call Samuel Moo. Not, it doesn't have anything to do with cows. Right? I call Samuel Moo. I'm the only one who calls him Moo. That's it. There's a story there about the Hebrew pronunciation of his name, Samuel, that I'm not going to get into, but I call him Moo. I call Caleb Bubs. I call him Bubby. I call Micah Migs. I'm the only one who calls them those names. But I call them those names, and when I call them those names, I really hope that they know that they are loved. They know, they know who they belong to. Names are important. They tell us who we are and to whom we belong. And that's true for all of us, isn't it? When we hear ourselves called by a nickname, it means something to us. We know we're loved. We know we belong. Like in high school, I was just called Vis. Not very creative, but my last name is super short. So people just called me Vis. And I loved it. And the people who called me that, those were my people. I knew I belonged to them. Do you have nicknames for spouses, kids? Does anyone want to share nicknames? I didn't know we were going to do this. Let's go. My name's Aaron, and my parents called me Er because Aaron was so long. Er? Yeah, it's super long, right? I like it. Nicknames. Do you have nicknames for spouses, kids, friends? What's your Nay? Nay? Babe. Sometimes babe. Because Renee is so long. Names are important, right? They tell us who we are. They tell us who we belong to. Fear not. God says, fear not. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. God calls little insignificant captive Israel by her name. God calls her by her name precisely because she's not insignificant. She belongs to the creator of the universe and she is loved. And when you're loved by the creator of the universe, you got nothing to fear. Not water, not fire, not anything, not even death itself. Friends, think of it. Think of it. Just dwell here for a minute. The one who made every single thing that exists, the universe, the planets, the stars, the galaxy, black holes, down to the little microorganisms that live on the tip of your finger, that one knows your name. Out of all the billions of people that live on planet Earth, 
right now and the countless more that have ever lived on planet earth out of all of those people god knows your name god god's got the hairs counted on your head when you were made in the secret place god saw your unformed body god knows your name and because god knows your name you have nothing to fear ever nothing to fear not water not fire, not anything, not even death. God knows your name. And because God knows your name, you know who you are and you know to whom you belong. God loves even little, tiny, insignificant, and sometimes captive you. And because God loves you, you are not insignificant. Here's why I think this is such a big deal. Because I think that, that, that what we've stumbled onto here in these words from God through the prophet Isaiah, I think what we've stumbled onto here, I think it's the beginning of faith. This idea is the beginning of of faith. Think about it. Maybe you've had an experience like I'm about, I'm about to describe. You find yourself in a situation that's, uh, that's completely out of control or almost completely out of control, or you wake up one morning and you realize that, that your life has been spinning out of control ever since you entered into the world and took your first breath. I don't know. You're in a place where, where things are shaky. And then through some sort of, we'll, we'll call it a, a spiritual experience. Maybe, maybe it's just through ordinary mundane things like a conversation with a friend. Or maybe it's just a, maybe it's a walk alone in your neighborhood. Or maybe it's a walk alone in the woods. Or maybe you're driving down the interstate all by yourself and, and you've got nothing but the hum of the road to accompany you, or, or maybe it's something you read in a book, or maybe it's something that you, you saw in a movie, or maybe it's something that you experienced or heard or felt in a place like this. Through some sort of, of spiritual experience, you've, you've found God speaking some of God's favorite words to speak to those he loves. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know you. You are mine. I love you. Everything is going to be okay. When you hear those words bounce off the lips of the Creator, or, or when you just feel that overwhelming sense that God is telling you, don't be afraid. I've called you by name. You belong to me. You are mine. I love you. Something utterly inexplicable happens just deep in the deepest parts of our souls. And in that moment, all you know or care to know is that in that moment, you're a little bit different, changed, transformed, new again, strengthened a little bit. You believe, you have faith, this deep trust because you know you are loved. That's what an experience of the love of God will do in a life. It elicits faith. 
It's the experience Moses may have had when he first heard the voice of God coming out of that bush that was burning and yet not being consumed. It, it, it's the experience Mary may have had when Gabriel showed up and said, do not be afraid. It's the, it's the experience Jesus may have had at his baptism when he, when he came up out of the waters of the river Jordan and he had that intense spiritual experience and saw a dove and heard the voice of God saying, you are my son, my beloved with you, I am well pleased. It's the experience Paul may have had when he found himself knocked off his horse and, and face to face with the risen Jesus. Saul even got a new name. Paul. God nicknamed Paul. God nicknamed Saul Paul. I bet God's got a nickname for every single one of us. Wouldn't you like to know what it is? Oh, I wish I knew what God's nickname for us is that would be so so good that's what the experience of the love of god will do you're different transformed changed new again you have strength you believe you have faith this deep trust because you've experienced the love of God. And most of the time when we, we think about the beginning of faith, we think about it as believing the right things. We think that because that's sort of what we've been taught. That's what we've caught. We've, we've been told that that's the most important thing. So the beginning, of, the beginning of faith is believing all the right things. Is there a God even? Is, is Jesus God? Did he really die on the cross for our sins? And if so, how does that, how does that work itself out? Did Jesus really bodily rise from the dead we think we have to believe all that's the beginning of faith knowing all the right things all essential things that we believe but maybe just maybe the beginning of faith is simply knowing who we are and to whom we belong maybe the beginning of faith is experiencing the all-encompassing overwhelming love that god has for each and every one of us. Maybe that's where faith begins. And maybe that's how faith expands and gets bigger. It's experiencing more and more the love that God has for us. Maybe that's the only way our faith grows. It's experiencing the love of the divine. So here we are. We're standing on the bottom stair, 2024. And we're looking up at the long, hard climb to 2025. What will the year bring? Because the future, as always, it's unknown. But here's the deal. Our hope for the future, and I'm going to say this now, and I may have to say this four or five different times throughout this year. Our hope for the future doesn't rest in who becomes the next president of the United States of America in spite of what all the commercials and ads are going to tell us. The future does not rest in that. The future does not rest in ourselves. Although there are some, some things that we can do, don't hear what I'm not saying, but the future does not rest in ourselves or what we can accomplish or what we think we need to accomplish or should accomplish our hope rests in the reality 
that God knows our name. That we belong to God. We know who we are and to whom we belong. Our hope, it rests in the love of God. The kind of love that is unthinkable, unimaginable, overwhelming, all-encompassing. The kind of love that begins to elicit faith in all who experience it. Have you experienced it? And that faith causes us to, to fear not. Not fire, not water, nor anything, not even death. That's the power of love in the beginning of faith. Let's pray.